Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast. Hosted by the starting kicker of your Golden Gophers, Matthew Trickett, and me, Tony Liebert. Um, as you can see and hear, uh, Matt is out for the week, so I'll just be riding solo. And uh, for today's episode, we will be talking about a lot of Gophers coaching news. Um, Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr. have been named co-offensive coordinators replacing Kirk Shiraka at that position. And... Uh, we'll be talking about the other Gophers coaching changes. Winston Delatz Badere coming back as the D-line coach and Paul Haynes and Kenny Burns accepting other positions. Uh, we'll also close out the show talking about Georgia's 65-7 to blowout win over TCU in the national championship and what it means for uh, the Big Ten and the Gophers and really the rest of college football. All right. Um, I guess we'll just jump right into really the news of the last since the last time we had an episode was um, Kirk Shiraka deciding to leave the Gophers program and um, and go to Rutgers to accept the same position. So um, everyone's obviously asking why. And I think the biggest reason is money motivation. Shiraka has a relationship with um, Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano. Um, he was there in the past at Rutgers, really didn't have much success, but clearly Schiano's someone that Shiraka trusts. Shiraka is someone that Schiano trusts, so they built a rapport, and he's getting nearly a two-thirds increase of his contract, or one-third, excuse me, uh, from roughly – uh, eight hundred to nine hundred thousand to one point five mil. Um, that would be two thirds. Uh, clearly not a math major. Uh, I think there's a reason why I'm studying journalism. But, um, yeah. So Shiraka's decision to leave was clearly money motivated. And I think a lot of Gophers fans realize it might have been time for a change philosophy wise on the offense. Um, Shiraka is a guy who's been coaching a while. Everyone says, oh, it's PJ's philosophy, Shiraka, like who's calling the plays, who's making the decisions, blah, blah, blah. It, it's obviously a, a collaborative effort, and Shiraka has a lot to say. It's a guy that PJ did trust enough to come back to the program. Um, I would assume he will not be coming back for a third time anytime soon. Uh, leaving twice, I think, would probably close the door on that and not getting fired either time. Um, but as for the re replacement, um, in my opinion, I think the Gophers made the right move and promoting Matt Simon to the position that Shiraka had. So they came out and said that they're going with co-offensive coordinators. And I think this is something that Coach Fleck likes to do. At the end of the day, it's a bit of semantics, in my opinion. Um, I think it has a little bit to do with uh, pay that I believe 
they would technically save some money not having to pay Simon a full like offensive coordinator salary and Harbo just gets a slight raise from his tight end coach salary. Um, I like I showed earlier, I'm not great with financials, so I don't know exactly if that's true. Um, and I think Sh since Shiraka left the first time, uh, Coach Fleck has done this with both the OC and DC. So I think that has a little bit to do with uh, the fact that he likes to have almost an assistant offensive coordinator. If Simon takes a job next offseason, he can be like, okay, uh, we'll just promote our co-offensive coordinator to head offensive coordinator, which really would never be head like we've noticed that it's – he would just continue being the co-offense coordinator because Matt Simon has been since Shirakis left. He's been considered the co-offense coordinator. So on paper, um, his title will not change. But technically, Shiraka was the co-offense coordinator. So I think Simon's taking Shiraka's spot and Harbaugh is taking the spot that Simon had. Um and I think it's fair to assume that Simon will be calling plays. Harbaugh will have a lot of say in the offense. Um, like most coaches should. It shouldn't just be one guy saying, this is what we're running, um, blah, blah, blah. Can't do anything about it. Because really in business and in life, the best decisions are, I think, made collaboratively with other opinions and stuff. And I, Personally, I think we'll see a bit of a change in the Gophers' philosophy. Simon has shown to be a bit more pass-centric. Obviously, he's a wide receivers coach, um, and he likes throwing to the tight ends, and Harbo is a tight end coach. He's shown that in his two bowl games. I personally believe that he's ready to call plays. He's been with P.J. Fleck since, I believe, 2014 at Western Michigan, been the wide receivers coach, uh, been working with the quarterbacks, working with an offense. He's still only 37 years old, and it just – so, like, I personally think he's ready. I think um, with the Gophers' decisions that they've made in the transfer portal, bringing in wide receivers, that we're going to see a bit of a change. I, I think the Gophers are always going to be a run-first team. But I think we're going to see a bit more of a balanced attack in 2023. Um, and it's just there's a lot of Gophers fans on Twitter that say, oh, them coming out with this co-idea is um, really showing that Fleck isn't confident in Simon, blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of Gophers fans just don't realize that they've had co-offensive coordinators since uh, Shiraka left the first time. And... Um, like, Shiraka technically was the co-office coordinator. So, ultimately, I see this more as a 1A, 1B. Simon's the 1A. Harbo is the 1B. And um, I, I think this is a promotion for Simon. I might not say that on the uh, Gophers team website. Um, but I think in the locker room and in the offices of the Gophers football program, it is a promotion. And Fleck has shown that he likes to keep things under wraps. And I think this is just a little more one of those situations as as coach speak, as uh, just semantics that he likes to 
not know he likes to not show what he's doing. Um, but ultimately, I think this means Matt Simon will be calling plays. Harbaugh will have a lot to say about it, and I personally think that's good for this program and good for this team. Um, outside of the offensive coordinator position, we obviously saw um cornerbacks coach Paul Haynes accept the same position at Wisconsin. Um, and my reaction to that, a lot of times with these coaches, um, defense line coach Brick Haley uh, also left. I think that one might have been more mutual. I don't know for sure. But um, with position coaches sometimes, like all these coaches are looking to get a defensive coordinator job, get a better job. And P- Coach Haynes probably thought he was just a little stagnant in Minnesota. And – like PJ Fleck has said, PJ Fleck's not for everyone. Maybe he's just like, okay, like I've been here for a few years now. Let's just try something else and see how that works. He had a past relationship with Coach Fickle in Wisconsin. And um he obviously thinks that's just better for his career. I don't think it's him saying, Oh, PJ Fleck's horrible, blah, blah, blah. I need to go screw over screw him over and go to his rival. I think he just thinks that's better a, a better career move. He might have got a little bit of a pay bump. Um, and really, that's that. And as for Brick Haley, uh, like I said, I have a feeling that was a, bit, was a bit more mutual after a rather disappointing season on the defensive line. And you could argue the Gophers got an upgrade with Winston DeLat Badere coming back to the program from um, – playing under coach Fleck in his first first year or two and um I I think for this move when you uh look at position coaches sometimes they're the ones that are recruiting players and going to multiple house visits and having constant contact with them and when you get a guy who's younger than 30 like Winston Delatsbader um that He's able to relate with those guys. Burke Haley was a guy who's coached for 40 years. He's in his 60s. He can't relate with those guys as much. And uh, the Gophers have been very – done a, a solid job recruiting on the defensive line, and I think that's only going to even get better with the Latsbader. And obviously he was at Akron, who was one of the, I guess, worst programs in the country. But he's a young coach. He's only going to get better. He trusts Coach Fleck. Coach Fleck clearly trusts him. And I think this is a very good move. At the end of the day, positional coaches don't really um, change the program by any means. But uh, Delatz Badere is the guy, is a guy who could help you get a recruiter to along the def- defensive line, along the defensive front that, that can change a recruiting class. And th- it just those are the little moves that, that help. Like uh, he's the first domino that could that could fall in a long chain of things that the Gophers get the next Jackson Howard or something like that because uh, I just feel like Delats Badera would be able to relate with him more. It's just having a twenty eight year old. I'm not sure on his whole age. So twenty uh, eight year old Delats Badera come into your house and talk to you about why you should go to Minnesota. He went to Minnesota. He's not from Minnesota. He's from, I believe, the Baltimore area. And he can tell you, he's like, oh, um, the Minnesota winters, blah, 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 when you're in college, blah, all this stuff. Like, he did it all. And 
Rick Haley's been at 17 stop, stops and he's going to say, oh, 17 years ago when I coached Marcel Darius at Alabama, uh, he did this, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're not at Alabama. And Delatsbader can be like, Minnesota's the place to be. I went there. I enjoyed it. So it might be a small a small coaching change, but I think this can uh, really help some things down the road. And then as for uh, Kenny Burns, one of the more respected coaches on the Gophers program, Gophers staff, um, taking the head coaching job at Kent State. Um, obviously, everyone knows that's no dig to P.J. Fleck or anything. That's just a clear um, positional move, uh, career move to become a head coach of a football program. And uh, I think every Gophers fan should root for his success at Kent State in the MAC, And I think he might do pretty well. Um, and now uh, with Harbo becoming co-offense coordinator and coach of the quarterbacks, Paul Haynes leaving, and Kenny Burns leaving, the Gophers have tight end coach, running back coach, and cornerback coach vacancies um, with, I guess, really the only one that I think has a chance to be promoted within, uh, would might be, uh, Danny Collins, who's currently the safeties coach could get promoted to cornerbacks coach. Um, personally, I don't think that will happen. Last year was his first year as a positional coach. Um, so I imagine if I had to guess this is, but this is an educated guess that, I think all three positions will be um, hired outside of the program um, from other other coaches, uh, which which will be interesting. I I don't have any names I could give you that I have heard the Gophers looking at, but I anticipate that um, someone, I guess, a little scoop, someone that I know who's well connected in the Rutgers program. Um, has told me that there are some rumors that Kirk Schrock is bringing another coach with him. Um, obviously, that will not be Simon or Harbo. It won't be Delats Bader. Um, I don't think it'll be Brian Callahan. Um, I don't think it'll be uh, Danny Collins. Um, and I, really, I just don't understand who it would be. Um, he's a, pretty well connected, so. Could be true, could be not, but he just keeps telling me that, that he keeps hearing that. So uh, I, I don't know how likely that is. I just thought I would share. Um, but but overall, um, I, I position coaches change every year. Um, they've changed every year with Fleck. They've changed every year with Nick Saban. Uh, it's just part of college football, part of college sports. I don't think it's really a big deal for the program. And I think so far the Gophers have done a good job replacing their offensive coordinator, and their defense line coach. Now it's really just down to the tight end, running back, and cornerback coach. Um, uh, The other big news, I guess, since last week's episode was Georgia's absolute blowout win over TCU, 65-7 to in the national championship Monday night in Los Angeles. Um, And with such a blowout win, there's obviously a lot of talk about the sport of college football, um, where it's at, the SEC versus the Big Ten, the SEC versus everyone else, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, I just thought I would share some opinions on what I think about 
what this means, I guess, for the sport of college football. Um, I think the national championship was the was the semifinal. It was Ohio State versus, versus Georgia. Ohio State clearly could have won that game. They had a field goal at the end. A uh, few plays go go Ohio State's way, like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get knocked out of that game. They make the kick at the end. We're looking at Ohio State versus TCU, and Ohio State could have won by 40. Uh, they have just as many five-stars as Georgia, maybe a few less, but that it would be just as big as of a talent discrepancy. So ultimately, I don't think this game has anything really that shows that the SEC is miles ahead of the uh, rest of college football, especially the Big Ten. Um, I mean, TCU obviously had a talent discrepancy. Everyone knew that going into the game. They've had a talent discrepancy in a lot of games they played. They had a huge one against Michigan. And Michigan could have easily won that game if they uh, remembered how to call plays in the red zone. Um, and we could have saw, seen an all-Big Ten title, and um, it could have been Michigan-Ohio State and everyone Big Ten on the national scale. Everyone's like, ooh, the Big Ten's catching up to the SEC. We got USC and UCLA coming, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it would be a whole different narrative. Um, but football is a game of inches, and now the national media is going to talk about how the SEC is the greatest thing of all time, and they're never going to lose ever again. And which they are the best conference. There's no doubting that. But I think this year it almost showed that the Big Ten is catching up because Ohio State was that close to to your top team, to your your top dog, and they gave them their best shot. And the SEC really, like, Alabama was very beatable this year. They looked so good in the Sugar Bowl, but they were very beatable. Um, Tennessee, they got destroyed by South Carolina, who's like a mid-tier SEC team. And that was when they were fully healthy. And um, LSU tripped up against Texas A&M. Like, you could say that the conference is as deep, but those are the arguments that the SEC uses against the Big Ten. I think this year the SEC's top three of Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and you throw an LSU there, would have an interesting argument against the Big Ten's top three of, of Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and um, probably Iowa or Purdue. Um. Football is an interesting sport because it's not a seven-game series. You just play one game, and that's where you get results like TCU beating Michigan. Michigan wanted to get cute, and they wanted to run the Philly special, and they threw two pick sixes, blah, blah, blah. Those aren't sustainable game over game. TCU came, they made plays, and they won that game, and they deserved to be in the national championship. But if you play that game ten times, I think Michigan wins eight. And I think uh, most people would agree with that. But that's not how sports work. And if you uh, if you play Georgia-Ohio State 10 times, I bet it's Georgia wins six of them. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think this really changes much about the sport. It just If you play the national championship 10 times, I think Georgia wins eight or nine of those. It's just they're a much better team than – TCU and Georgia Michigan would have been a very interesting final because 
Uh, you get the the rematch of the semifinal last year. Uh, Michigan's a better team than they were last year. You got a better quarterback, uh, possibly better running game. Uh, their defense is playing just as well. They don't have the big names like Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo like last year. But that would have been an interesting, interesting game. I think Georgia would have been favored by four or five points. Uh, that, that would have just been a lot more interesting of a national title. Obviously, hindsight, a lot of people are thinking TCU would keep this close, blah, blah, blah. But um, it's just like I, I, I don't think this result really says like, oh, the SEC is so far ahead. Nobody else is ever going to be competitive. Um, Ohio State will have an interesting turnover with a few of the receivers going pro, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, but he barely played this year. They're going to have a new quarterback. Um, but, like, everyone hates on Ryan Day, but he's a good coach. I think he'll be there for a while. I think Ohio State's fine. Uh, Michigan, I think, might be ranked number two or three to start the year next year if Jim Harbaugh stays. Uh, that That's obviously going to be one of the biggest – Storylines in the offseason. Penn State might have their best chance ever to make the semifinal. Um, so I think the Big Ten's trending up with USC and UCLA coming soon. Two programs that are trending in the right direction. Uh, obviously, we know Minnesota's trending in the right du- direction. Iowa's getting Cade McNamara. They're trending in the right direction. Um, Wisconsin's trending in the right direction. Illinois. Um, Purdue, I think, is going to be better than people think next year. Uh, with a new head coach, Ryan Walters. They're bringing in a pretty interesting offensive coordinator with Graham Harrell. Um, Nebraska's trending in the right direction, new head coach. Uh, It's an interesting, interesting time for the Big Ten. And I I don't know if you can say the same for a lot of the SEC schools. You could, like, Alabama's fine, and they're going to be competitive with Nick Saban, but he's getting older. They're still going to be a top five program. They're still going to be competing for national championships, but he's getting older. You can't say that he's not. Uh, obviously, we know Georgia's class of the class of the country, class of the sport. Uh, Tennessee's trending in the right direction. LSU's trending in the right direction. But like outside of that, like who? Like Arkansas, middling team. Texas A&M's a mess. They hired Bobby Petrino. They're a mess. Um, like I. They're getting all the players, but I, I don't I don't see them playing in the playoff anytime soon. Uh, South Carolina's interesting. Kentucky's always interesting. Auburn just hired a problematic head coach. It, it just it it's tough to say the next five years if you USC and UCLA join soon. Um, like I might say the Big Ten will get more championships than the SEC. That's my hot take. Um, and I, I don't know if that's that's that far out there. Um, Penn State next year will be a really, really interesting team. I, I'll just say that now. They've always, I think, been a quarterback away, and now they get their version of Ethan Kaliak-Manis. Um, like, they, they recruit on the same level as, as an Ohio State, and it's time for them to show it next year. Um, and... I next college football season, man, it, making me excited. The sport ended yesterday, and I'm already looking forward to next year. But um, I think the sport's in a good spot. Obviously, we're getting the 12-team playoff the year after next year. Um, and I, that might honestly 
well, you might see more results like this. You get a team hot, like maybe like a Utah or like a Kansas State, and they knock off knock off someone, let's say, so they would be like a like an eight seed. So they yeah, so they win their first round matchup against like a comparable opponent, and then let's say they knock off a Michigan. And then they got a road to – they just win one more, and then they're playing Georgia in the final. Might see a similar result. So it'll be interesting to see if results like this will be more or less common with the 12-team playoff. I think you can make an argument for both sides. But, um, I mean, that's football. That's sports. Game of inches. Uh, I, I don't think this results saying, like, oh, the SEC is so miles ahead of everyone and nobody else is ever going to catch up. I just think Georgia's really good. Uh, they were probably the best team in the country, and they showed that. But their toughest tests were against Ohio State. And, like, they almost lost to Missouri. They barely beat Kent State. Like, they were the best team in the country this year, and that's why they won the national championship. But it's just not – they weren't unbeatable. They had a lot of flaws. A lot of teams had a lot of flaws. And it just – it was a year for a team like Michigan to win the title, I think. And they, they just choked. They they got too cute. Um. But I guess wrapping up the show, um, I guess between now and the season, we're going to hear a lot of transfer portal, a lot of roster moves. Um, the transfer portal closes in five days on January 15th, which means nobody can enter the transfer portal before then unless you, I believe, are a grad transfer. Uh, I believe you still can, um, but anyone – uh, younger than that or other than that cannot until the spring where there will be another 45-day window. Um, but if you enter the transfer portal, you still can commit to a different school between now and the spring. You It just there's nobody entering. So by January 15th, we know the Gophers won't lose anyone. They might gain people. Um, but, yeah, uh, I would – I would hope the Gophers can attack the trenches the rest of the way. I think that should just be priority number one. And really, maybe their only priority left in the portal. I, I think they have a pretty formidable roster everywhere else to um, compete at a similar level that they did this year. Uh, just might need one or two offensive and defensive linemen. Um, they got their wide receivers. Uh, they got a lot of young running back talent. Um, I just think those are clearly their biggest holes on this roster and there's no reason why they cannot add more players there. Um, but yeah, uh, rest of the off season, the uh, episodes will obviously get less frequent. I'm going to try to do some more um, player interviews, coaching interviews, and um, hopefully Matt is back next week with us. But uh, as always, I appreciate everyone for listening. Row the boat, Sky Uma, and go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.